Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. This Sunday I want to begin with uh, not this gospel passage, but if you had your Bible with you, the paragraphs preceding this gospel passage. See, what we hear today is it seems like Jesus is having a really bad day or for some reason just really doesn't like this woman. She says, heal my daughter. He ignores her. Then she asks more. He says, I'm not giving the scraps to the dogs, in essence calling her a dog. And then she has this creative line, well, even they get some scraps once in a while. And then it sounds like he goes, oh, you know what? You're actually really good. I changed my mind. You get it. You did great. And he he heals her daughter. So it sounds like he's kind of moody and then realizes he's being moody and changes his mind. Okay, I better be good. I'm the savior. Okay. Uh, But that's just like would be an awful interpretation. It wouldn't even be within any realm of our 2,000-year tradition or the faith given by God. But rather, this passage has a set of people that we usually forget about. It's the apostles. And this is Matthew chapter 15, and there's two stories back to back, but they didn't want to give you too long of a gospel passage in August. See, the church is so nice, all right? But it's actually back to back where Jesus is doing something very intentionally, not for Jesus, not even for the people he's engaging with, but so that the apostles would begin to understand what he understands, namely that those we tend to write off are those that are actually the closest. Those we tend to judge very strictly with our worldly categories tend to be the ones that are very, very close to the kingdom of God. So in the first part of this chapter, Jesus is engaging with the Pharisees, those who are admired by Jewish men and women, those who are revered After all, the Pharisees are brilliant when it comes to the teachings of the faith. They're the ones that everyone looked to to help interpret what does this law mean? What does that law mean? There's no sign that the Pharisees are some sort of wildly immoral group even. It seems actually like they're a pretty good group. And Jesus engages with them because they're criticizing and saying, how come your apostles aren't doing the kind of washing everyone else is? And Jesus says, what comes out of a person is what defiles you, not what goes in. And the Pharisees kind of balk at him debating with them. How dare you even debate with us? And Peter says, they took offense at you. And he just moves on to another town. The Pharisees knew that they, as Jewish men, and teaching all of Israel for men and women, that they were waiting for the promised Savior the one who would bring the human heart and God back together and restore humanity in a new unity known as the ultimate Israel. So they were waiting for him. Here they are face to face with him. And by every judgment, this should be the moment. And instead, their sensibilities are bothered. And they so quickly, the quickest sign of adversity, they shut down and walk away. So the Pharisee, the apostles are seeing this like, wow, the ones who are supposed to be the in, the ones who are supposed to be the heroes, the in group, 
the littlest hardship and they walk away. Then Jesus takes them on a little walk to this outpost town. Like they were nowhere near this town. He goes out of his way to go there, which lets you know he doesn't do anything accidentally. He knows what he's doing. And then there's this Canaanite woman. Now, Canaanites to Jewish men and women were seen as second rate, subpar, not fully human. They were kind of those people on your peripheries, as the phrase Pope Francis used, meaning you kind of shove them over there. I know none of us want to admit it, but sometimes when we're walking in downtown Cleveland, there's the people over there that we don't really want to make eye contact with because then we have to say, I don't have money, but I do, and then we lie and we feel weird, so we won't even notice them. Kind of Canaanites. The apostles judge her that way. So what happens? She's crying out to Jesus. He decides to ignore her. He begins to treat her like most Jewish people treat her. Now remember, Jesus already knows her faith. He also already knows what he wants to do for her. So it's not about her. He's like, I got her. She's fine. And it's not about him being mean. He's like, I love this woman. It's amazing what's about to happen. He's trying to put on a show and a lesson for us, his followers. So what he does is he ignores her just like they would ignore her normally. And then, like, like maybe bratty little children, the apostles are like, could you get rid of her? She's annoying us. They cry out to Jesus. She just keeps calling out after us. Now, mind you, in other passages, they loved the popularity. But in this one, not that kind of person. I don't want that. I don't want to follow Jesus and now have to deal with these kind of people. I want to follow Jesus and deal with these kind of people. I want to follow Jesus and be respected by the Pharisees, not have to be good to Canaanites. So then he says, all right, fine. So he engages her, referencing the dogs. And you can imagine the apostles, right? Normal guys who are like, yeah, you annoyed us, and you're a Canaanite. You're a dog. Ha! And then she says, even dogs get scraps. And he goes, with an exclamation point, great is your faith. Meaning, boys, do you see how amazing she is? I was waiting and hoping you could see this. It says that very moment her daughter was miraculously healed. It had nothing to do with Jesus having a bad day. It had to do with him trying to teach the apostles, those who you judge by your own standards as in and out, you got it backwards. You got to let Jesus' vision, Jesus' judgments take you over. If we think like some sort of prosperity gospel, that by following Jesus, we're going to get health, wealth, and prosperity, we haven't read the gospel. He dies murdered on a cross with his friends abandoning him with no house, no retirement plan, nothing. We don't follow Jesus because it makes life easier. We follow Jesus because it makes life beautiful. It corresponds to the deepest desires of the human heart because we believe he rose and nothing's bigger than his love for you and me. But that love is meant to affect a change in us. Yes, morally, but even deeper than morally, how we see people. Who do we think is the beautiful ones in the church? Who do we think are the most important to God? Well, we all know intuitively, okay, it's the poor, it's the lowly, it's that. But in concrete circumstances, it's really tough. Things pull at us all the time. 
marketing campaigns of every, vi every image we see, whether it's on the internet or billboards and things, is always beautiful women in beautiful places or beautiful couples. They're always happy in this Facebook post. That couple has nothing wrong with them. Or these people are totally fine. It gets inside of us. And we start to be formed by something other than the gospel. The truth is, everybody you've ever met, Christian, Catholic, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, atheist, is someone that God wants to draw near to and bring into the kingdom. To God, everybody is somebody. Not because of what they do or don't do, what they have or don't have, but the mere fact that they exist as a person means they are someone that God is longing to draw near to. Jesus enfleshed what that looked like. It meant going to people that as a group, the Jews were like, those people are the bad people. He said, well, then let's go right there. Let me break that open in you. And this has worked over time period. Races, clans, enemies have been reconciled. If any of you know your history of, Jew of Europe, it was a huge group of clans fighting. How did it become established? Beautiful civilizations, men and women like yourselves, putting the gospel into practice, saying, I will treat even my enemies with dignity and respect. In our own country, why are we so open to other people usually in our history, right? Why, like when, remember about 15 years ago, Haiti got decimated, right, by hurricanes? Why did we not just go and take over that little island? That's beachfront property, right? We could have taken over with maybe one little fighter plane. Instead, we sent a lot of aid. Why? Because we believe that they have their own culture, their own civilization. They're people that deserve to be flourishing, not conquered. In us, in our bones, was the echo of the gospel still, that everybody is somebody. So if you want to know where Jesus is calling you to grow, maybe the rest of this month or the rest of our lives, find the people that you point a finger at. Find the people you almost intuitively think, Ugh, they're in the peripheries, those people. Find them in your life and ask Jesus to show you how he sees them. That would be an amazing start to becoming like Christ in the world. We'd be able to see people as Jesus sees them. Amen.